Welcome to The Shiv Show, where we are all about people getting to know people. We are here to humanize the individual behind their brand and share their story with the world, with, of course, a few laughs in the mix. Now, it's time for your host, Australia's most Canadian podcaster, and just like the knife, Shiv Rat. What is going on, Shiv Show people? Welcome to another episode of The Shiv Show, where we're all about people getting to know people. Now, this episode on The Shiv Show is all about the man behind the brand, Billy Sixes. And I actually had the pleasure of meeting Dylan about a year ago through a good friend of mine, Ollie, actually. And uh, listen, Dylan's story is different than the one I usually tell on this podcast show. And I want you to do a few things for me. Listen to the adversity this guy has been through. Listen to the battle with drugs and alcohol. Listen to the near-death experience, but especially... Listen to how he turned all that negative into a positive and now has a huge brand here in Australia, Billy Sixes, that is growing and growing and growing and becoming more popular. I don't know about you guys, but I see these guys everywhere. <laughs> don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and now Spotify. And here is the episode with Dylan of Billy Sixes. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Shiv Show, where we're all about people getting to know people. Speaking of which, we get to meet the founder of Billy Sixes, and this is a company that actually changes the way you live and allows people to live their truth through clothing and accessories, and we'll get right into that in a minute. A marketing genius, a complete badass, if I do say so myself, I'm pumped to introduce Dylan to the show. So Dylan, welcome to The Shiv Show, my friend. Thanks, Shiv. Very glad to be here, mate. Good, good. I'm glad we can actually finally make this happen. It's been weeks of us going back and forth. So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Busy schedules. Yeah, that's, that's it, right. man. Busy means we got a job to do, right? Exactly. That's right. <laughs> Dylan, listen. Before we go into a bit of who you are, um, I want to hit you with a question. Yeah, and sure. I think I think you like this one. So, what does individuality mean to you? Individuality. Um, I mean, that's sort of the 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 basis for what we're doing with Billy Sixers, right? It's all about personal freedom and um, and being yourself. And I think um, just be yourself is probably the most commonly piece, like com- the most commonly given piece of advice mm-hmm. in the world, right? And that's what everybody always says: just be yourself. But um, it's not something that we generally uh, actually take on. You know, it's one of those things that you go, yeah, sure, sure, I'll be myself, but you don't. So individuality is one of those things that. Um, I think you really need to take the time to sort of look within it yourself and, um, you know, spend time um, thinking about and and working on. And um, it's something that we probably don't give enough attention to in our lives. I think we sort of get caught up in the the pack mentality and and individuality gets forgotten a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And I love that. And I I write a lot about authenticity and I think about it all the time. and, And I think being authentic and congruent and, you know, individuality ties right into that. Because you're right, exactly. we do forget to be ourselves, right? We go to work, totally. We, we, we turn into someone else, and and the one thing I tell people is, I'm the same shiv at home that I am at work, that I am at the gym, that I am at the bar, uh, with That's the exception perfect. of a few beers in me. But I mean, hey, it, it's all about being authentic and congruent. So I love exactly, that exactly, man. And and not a lot of people do that, right? Everybody's got a different mask for for whichever place, you know, for for work, for the gym, for home. You know, everyone's got a different mask for different situations. So if you can be yourself throughout all of them, man, that's um. That's rare and that's unreal. That's right, man. I love it. And it's so important in business. And, and speaking of business, I want to go into Billy Sixes, but let's get just a little bit of rundown of yourself, man. Tell me tell me a little about Dylan. 
Um, yeah, well, I, I'm the owner of Billy Sixes. I um, I have a couple of other business partners that are in it with me, but um, we're based in the northwestern suburbs of Sydney, which is um, where I grew up in Ride. Um, I went to I went to a public school. I um, I grew up. Uh, oh, my parents got divorced when I was about fourteen, fifteen, and then grew up with my mum and my little brother from there. I um, I finished school and became a motor mechanic. That was my um, my first job out of school, and I um, I didn't last long doing that. But I didn't enjoy it very much. Um, and from there, I bounced around through a whole lot of different jobs. I, um, I did the usual thing. You know, sort of not knowing what I wanted to do, I bounced around between a whole lot of different things before I sort of really started to find my my groove. But um, I started a company called Timber Window Restorations when I was 21. I had a, an uncle who lived in Melbourne who was, I heard he was doing quite well for himself. So I gave him a call one day and said, what do you think about taking on an apprentice? So um, he said, why don't you come down and, and sort of have a have a bit of a go with me and I went down there for a week and we got along really well and I ended up moving down there for uh, for six or seven months. So did the move you're about to do, right? Going yeah, to Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, had done um, that. Yeah, so I worked with him for six or seven months, learned the trade, came back to Sydney when I was twenty one and started my own business doing that. And I ended up doing that for about five years, which was um, which was, you know, a fantastic little business and it sort of got me um, you know, earning money and into the world of business, and then um, yeah, five years later, I started the Sixes. Nice man. So you started your first company in twenty one. Yes. Wow. And obviously, you you know, business is is a hobby of yours. It is. Yeah, I think I've always been um, a little bit of an entrepreneur. I've always sort of been very curious about the world of business. I guess touching on entrepreneurship, do you think you were born with that, or is that something you developed along the way? Uh, a little bit of both, man. I um, I think that, um, I mean, obviously, you. No, I think it's something you develop, really, mm-hmm. because um, you know, you sort of, you know, lost a series of choices, right? And you can choose to to go either way, and and, and like, realistically, as humans, we're all sort of on at heart to a caveman. Is everybody go out and fend for themselves and find their own and, you know, everybody's sort of a, an entrepreneur at heart. So I think if you want to be an entrepreneur, you can. You just need to go out and do it. Yeah. I agree on that, man. I agree on that. All right, so Dylan, listen, I know that you, you had some near-death experiences and a snowboarding accident. Um, yeah. What I do want to talk about is how that kind of changed your mental stability and actually maybe how you turned that into a positive and started your business. Yeah, well, um. It was definitely one of those um, uh, tipping points in life. Mm-hmm. It was a big shift. Um, basically, yeah, I was um, I was on a bit of a roll with the window business. Things were going well, very well for me. I was making a lot of money, which was very new to me. I wasn't used to having money in the bank, mm-hmm. and um, I, you know, bought a nice car, moved into a nice place. Um, I had a girlfriend and we used to stay in all the nicest hotels, you know, all the nicest restaurants. We were having a lot of fun. Um, I was also drinking a lot mm-hmm. and dabbling in drugs a lot, um, which sooner or later caught up on me. I, um, I ended up getting arrested with um, eight um, MDMA tablets on me. Mm-hmm. Um, after that first arrest, we were, um, we were down at the 
the snow. We were at a, a music festival, and um, and I got, yeah, I got arrested for that. I didn't see it as like a, a huge learning experience. I sort of thought that I'd get off the charge, and it wasn't a huge deal. Um, so I sort of continued with life, um, you know, as as usual, business as usual. Mm-hmm. Um, a month later, I went back down to the snow again with my girlfriend because. Um, we still had some sort of like snow tickets um, because the time before I'd been arrested and we didn't get to go skiing. Mm-hmm. So we went back down and um, and I was a pretty good snowboarder. She was just um, just learning to snowboard. So we sort of went down, spent like the morning teaching her you know a few things, and we were sort of mucking around, having a good time. And then I uh, came to about lunchtime. And we were like, let's go, yeah, let's let's go down. We'll have a beer. We'll have some lunch. And um, and yeah, it's the famous famous last words, you know. Oh, this will be the last run. Anyway, I was like, I've been teaching you all morning. I'm going to go down the big jumps. I'll meet you at the bottom. So I cruised over toward the jumps and um, and sort of just overconfidently hit this jump, which I'd hit, you know, a thousand times before. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just hit it way too fast. Um, overshot the landing and um, and came down like extremely hard. Hey, sorry guys, Shubi here. I had to cut in at this point very quickly. Dylan is so calm when he's telling the story about how he broke so many bones and almost died. <laughs> when he was telling this part, I was like, "Are you kidding me? Is this is this from a movie?" <laughs> Later on, he actually explains it as a ride that he's never going to forget. So keep on listening and let's hear it out. It was one of those things where immediately after I came off the jump, I knew that I was like, it was going to be very serious. And I remember lying on my back and this guy coming up to me like, dude, you're going to be okay, you're going to be okay. And I was like, I couldn't breathe. I was like, the small like little gasps of air I was getting was sort of like a, just a, like a gurgling in my lungs and, um, and, you know, that metallic taste of blood in my mouth. And I thought like, I thought this is it. Like I've really, I've overdone it this time. Um, anyway, obviously, no, I, like I had no idea what was wrong. And um, they called called a ski patrol, got one of the, the snowmobiles around, and put me in the little um, the little uh, like sled they've got that goes behind the snowmobile, mm-hmm. and um, and yeah, gunned it down the mountain. And um, I had like um, like ten broken ribs, but like a fractured back, um, separated wow. shoulder, and um, obviously at the time I didn't know that, and they didn't know that. So they're flying down the mountain, and I'm bouncing around on the back of this thing. It was the most excruciating <laughs> ride of my life. Oh yeah, yeah. I was gonna ask if were you in pain? Yeah, exactly. I was in. I was a bit of both. I was just trying to breathe, and like I could only get that tiny little top bit of air. Like I couldn't get a breath into my lungs. Wow. And I was wrapped up in this tarp on the back of the thing, and I was just claustrophobic. Couldn't breathe. A lot of pain. It was um yeah. It was a a ride that I'm never gonna forget. Um. Anyway, got me down the bottom of the mountain, put me on another. Um, cat, which is one of those sort of big machines with the tank tracks on it, and rushed off to the medical center. Mm-hmm. Got to the medical center and they pushed me into the X-ray um, booth, and um, I was sitting there on the stretcher, and I sort of like I had this just panic, like I was just I just was trying to breathe, and everyone kept saying to me like just you know try and slow your breathing, try and calm down. You're going into shock, mm-hmm. and I was trying so hard to be calm, but I was just like. You know the feeling of like not being able to get air into your lungs and um, and suffocation. It's just panic mode. But um, but anyway, got pushed into this X-ray booth, and I had this feeling of sort of calm just came over me. I was like, oh, it's all 
going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the lady comes out from behind the x-ray booth, panicked, and I was ghost white, and she's gone, oh, crap, like his lungs have collapsed. And wow. um, wheeled me out, and there was no doctors on duty there. There was only a couple of nurses. Um, so one of the nurses cut an uh, incision in my chest and mm-hmm. pushed a tube in between my ribs, and um, that released like um, some of the like all the blood and pressure that had been built up in my chest cavity, which sort of allowed my lungs to sort of start expanding again. Um, wow! I literally saw this in a movie last week and was like, "What if that ever happened to me? It's just, yeah, this has happened to you." That's <laughs> it. Exactly. It was one of those like just yeah unreal wow. experiences. But um, but yeah. So I um I. I'm not sure how close I did come to dying, but I really, like, I felt like that was going to be the end, right? And I remember, like, when they were pushing that tube into my chest, like, I could see my girlfriend sitting there looking at me, and she was just, like, bawling her eyes out, and I was sort of looking at her, like, what's wrong? Like, Mm -hmm. everything's fine. I was just in this, like, other place, you know? I was, like, in this, like, trance of just, like, um, like, it didn't even matter anymore. Anyway, yeah, this nurse nurse put the tube in. Later, later when I got to hospital, the doctors said like it was unreal that she even did that. Right? They were yeah. like, most doctors would be nervous to do that. It's crazy that a nurse did it. So, I wish I could have got back there one day and thanked her, but I have no idea who that who that lady was. But um, but yeah, I owe her one. Yeah. Anyway, you should, you should find out, man. That's uh, that's a big favor. I mean, yeah, that's huge. Exactly. Exactly. But um, but yeah, after that, I um, I spent a. a a couple of weeks in hospital. Um, obviously, it was a very long road to recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, my yeah, I broke like ten ribs all down my right side. Four of them were broken in more than one place, so they I had a section of my rib cage which is moving around independently, and that's what they call a, a flail chest. So when you you breathe out, when your ribs expand, that portion of the rib actually sort of moves moves independently and moves inwards. So I sort of like. Uh, yeah, obviously just breathing and everything was, um, was yeah, tough and, like, I couldn't walk. I sort of had to get lifted between beds and it was um, it was a long couple of weeks. But, um, but yeah, so that two weeks in hospital was where the idea for Billy Sixers sort of first started. I was, um, there must be more to life than just, you know, working a job, you know, and I sort of started thinking, like, you really need to spend your life doing what you love. And I was like, if I had have died, I've got to this point, um, you know, would I be proud of what I've done and et cetera, et cetera. So I had no idea what I wanted to do going forward, but I started an Instagram account while I was in hospital and called it Billy Sixes just because I was bored and I was looking for something to do. But where, where, did, you, where did that name come from? It just kind of... Just the name Billy Sixes is, um, <laughs> well, it's a name I made up while I was on a lot of morphine in hospital. <laughs> but, um, but yes, <laughs> six is my, um, my lucky number. Okay. And... Billy just sounds like a cool guy, you know. Yeah, or, you know, right. not a gender, not a gender specific name, you know. It could be yeah. a cool guy or a cool girl, That's but um, very true. but yeah. So Billy Sixes, it just had a ring to it. It's just a, you know, six is a lucky number, and Billy's a cool name, so it's just a cool lucky guy or girl, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and it, you started the Instagram account in the hospital bed, and then where did where did you take it from there? Um, it wasn't much from there really. Like it, um, I like, I posted photos of just things I was interested in on it 
And um, it actually sort of started gaining a following relatively quickly, and it was mainly just motorbikes and girls and sort of stuff that I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, but I lost interest in it. I didn't keep it up anyway because I didn't really like – it wasn't like a fixed idea then, like, oh, I'm going to start a clothing brand. It was just – it was something on the side. Um, anyway, I, I ended up getting out of hospital a couple of weeks later. After that, I had sort of two to three months of just bed rest at home. Mm-hmm. Um, for the first month of which I, I could barely even walk at all, and I was on a, like a heavy amount of painkillers, so I was sort of I was completely useless. By which time, like my other business, the window company, completely went down the drain. Yeah. Um, I still had rent to pay. I still had employees to pay, and mm-hmm. and you know I burned through all my savings very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some. I started going into debt, and um, and obviously like not being out quoting new work it meant no new work was coming in and and things sort of went very bad for that business um and then uh, must have been oh was the day i got out of hospital actually i was meant to go to court for the first drug case Mm -hmm. um obviously i didn't make that court date and then i made a court date a couple of weeks later and got convicted and fined which was a bit of a shock to me because Mm -hmm. i thought i was going to get off with that with a slap on the wrist um, so I appealed that case and, you know, in the meantime, I was sort of like I was just stuck at home, you know, on painkillers and, and sort of just waiting to get better. Um, it was – it must have been about another month after that. I went out. I um, I went back to my old habits, you know. I went out. I was drinking. I was doing drugs and I got arrested again. Um, this time with cocaine on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was sort of like, it was a pretty public arrest. I was out and it was only like five o'clock in the afternoon and I got picked up by these these cops outside a hotel and um, there was a bit of a show of it. Anyway, the next morning after that, I remember waking up and just thinking like, where did this all go wrong? You know, and sort of like three months before that, I was having the time of my life. Everything was going perfectly. I had this great business. I had money in the bank. Um, to, you know, a few months later, I sort of like completely lost my health. I was in very bad shape and, you know, I had two drug convictions. Um, so after that, I called my lawyer um, a few days later and he was like, dude, what the hell? Are you serious? Um, so he was like, we might as well call off the appeal. Like you've really screwed everything up, right? This is ridiculous. Um, then I got off the phone to him and about 20 minutes later, he called me back and he said, you know what? There's about a 5% chance that you could get off both cases, but it's going to cost you a hell of a lot of money. You're going to have to do a hell of a lot of work and it's going to take a hell of a lot of chance. And he's like, look, take Christmas and whatever to think about it. We'll talk again in the new year. Mm -hmm. And his sort of advice to me was like, don't roll the dice, just wear both convictions, Yeah, which I agreed with. I thought, you know, that's, that's the, the logical thing to do. Um, and then over Christmas, I sort of thought to myself, I was like, you know what, like, I don't want to be this person. Like, I don't want this to define the rest of my life. And like, I don't, you know, like, I want to get up and I want to fight it. And if I don't give this my best crack to get off, then I'm going to hate myself or, or I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. Um, so I called him back in the new year. I said, let's do it. Whatever I have to do, like, let's fight both these cases and let's get off. Mm-hmm. And he was like, all right, man, let's do it. So I went into a, um, a, like a, a 
rehabilitation program type thing. Yeah. Um, so I had to go to meetings every week. I had to see a counsellor. I had to do like the urine tests and make sure that I was sober. Mm-hmm. So it was three months of sobriety. Um, and my appeal went through. I got off the first drug charge. Um, after the three months of sobriety, I was um, by by this stage, I'd sort of I'd sort of I'd sold all my possessions, and um, I decided I was going to start doing Billy Sixes properly. But at that stage, I um, I didn't really know it was going to be a clothing brand yet. I just sort of wanted to be a photographer, but um, but the wheels were in motion anyway. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the three months of sobriety, I was enjoying it so much that um, I decided to make it six months, and I kept running with it. And eventually went back to court for the second charge and um, and got off that one as well. And the magistrate called me um, Sydney's poster boy of drug rehabilitation. So <laughs> I did um, I did the big turnaround in um, in six months. But uh, but yeah, that was the story, man. I, um, man, that's the, I, I, I'm just sitting here all. listening, almost speechless. It's, it, it adversity hit and it hit you fucking hard. Yeah, and and you overcame it, right? You made some mistakes along the way, but I think that's what life is about. You you've learned from them. Yeah, and, and now you've you've taken it and multiplied that success, right? So yeah, that's it. And I think the the lesson that I learned from that was that no matter how far off track you get in life or how far you go down the wrong path, like it's never too late to turn things around. Yeah. Well, answer me this. So I'm just again sitting here thinking. So you must have changed your surroundings, right? So you must have changed maybe the people you hung out with. Um, where you went? Did you do any of that sort of stuff? Because I've obviously met your friends and I've met your your crew, and I think they're they're amazing people. Um, mm. Were you hanging around the wrong crowd before? Uh, I was a little bit, yeah. And I think, um, especially when I was like very involved in the the partying scene and the drug scene or whatever else, that you tend to think that that's what the whole world is doing. Um, but it's not. It's just. It's just the people that you're surrounding yourself with. So I, I don't think I ever was. I did make some big changes, I guess, to my to my immediate surroundings. I um, I had a girlfriend at the time that I was very in love with, and um, we broke up. Well, I left her because I um, I wanted to be this sober guy who was working on myself and working on my business. Mm-hmm. So that relationship had to end, which was um, extremely hard. Mm-hmm. Um, my immediate surrounding of friends shifted. I learned very quickly people don't like a, um, a non-drinker. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I became very busy with what I was doing work-wise. And um, it almost became like, I mean, I still sort of went out and hung out with people, but like I, I was sort of, I worked seven days a week and I was still like, I was trying to crawl my way out of debt. Um, so I was working very hard in my window company and then I'd come home and I'd study at night and I'd study on the weekends trying to learn new skills to start a new company. So, um, so yeah, I guess I, I traded friends for study. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the questions I, I think I sent you before is, is what, you know, what, what's your message for the pessimists out there? But, you know, how did you, what, what did you say to friends and family that didn't really want to hang out with you anymore? Cause you didn't drink. I mean, yeah, I think um, my attitude then was like I really just needed to work on myself, and yeah. like I, I, I hated the person that I'd become. You know, I'd, um, I'd made all these huge mistakes the year before, and I'd gone from being this very confident guy to just losing it all. Mm-hmm. And um, my main priority was just like just first get back to the starting point, and then 
you know, really try and rebuild and make something of myself. So my thoughts were like, you know, screw what anyone else thinks. Like, this is my path and this is what I'm doing and no one's going to distract me from that. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like, friends um, don't really like being pushed away, you know, and they, especially when um, – especially friends that might be still involved in the lifestyle that you're trying to get away from. They sort of just want to pull you back into it, right? But, um, but yeah, it, I, was, I was very much tunnel vision. Yeah. It didn't matter what anyone else had to say. And, 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 and you know, real friends are always going to be, be there for you when you come back as well, right? Exactly, exactly. And, and, and just saying, look at what you've done in that time, right? You've started this company. It's, it's amazingly successful. Uh, so Billy Sixes, you know, it started off as a photography company, I guess you could say. Then move to it, fashion and accessories, and it, FYI, it did, yeah. I, yeah, I own two of your uh, your sunshades, so that's that's awesome, and I love them, and I get compliments oh, on them all the time. <laughs> um, that's where, good. Where are you taking this company next? Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, like it's been a very fluid thing from the start. Like turning it into a fashion company was was almost by accident. Like <laughs> it started out just because. I got into photography, I really loved taking photos and I wanted to turn that into a business where I had a product to sell. Um, so then, yeah, the, the, the fashion thing started to come in. Um, at the moment, like, I think we're still only very much dipping our toe into the fashion scene where um, we're, we're doing it, like, obviously we're still very photo heavy and very content heavy, um, but in the future, Oh, our main focus at the moment anyway is product. Um, we're trying to expand the product range, start doing a much better job of the product that we're making um, and really make a product that's that's congruent with the the lifestyle and the, the, the ethos of the brand. I love that. I love that. And we did touch on lifestyle earlier. You know, what's your message for your customers out there in terms of lifestyle? Um, in terms of lifestyle, I mean, the basis for, for Billy Sixes is personal freedom. And, um, and you know, it's very, like, motorcycle-esque, Harley-Davidson-esque, you know, freedom, live free. But, um, but yeah, personal freedom to, to me is, you know, go out there and be yourself. And, um, and you know, you don't have to, to do what everyone else is doing. You don't have to, to live the lifestyle that you, you're expected to by your parents or your peers or, or whoever else, you know, just go out and do whatever it is you want to do and be whoever you want to be. And, and you know, if you like motorcycles, go and buy a bike and ride it every day. Or yeah. if you like making music, you know, make music and be a rock star, you know, like just go and do what you want to do and do it unapologetically and do it well. Um, so that's, that's, what, that's what freedom is to the yeah. brand and that's the lifestyle we're trying to promote. You should be very proud of yourself, man. I mean, it, this is something that that I'm pretty passionate about. Just trying to get people to follow their dream instead of following following their parents' dream or their society's yeah, dream for them. Exactly. Right? I think I think growing up, you know, your parent, my parents, for example, doctor, lawyer, like the, that's very or engineer, right? That was the kind of the path. But yeah. I've broken away from it, and now they can see that that was a good thing. Um, you know, I have friends and family members that just kind of stick in that straight line. And I'm not the yeah. straight line kind of guy. I'm, I'm zigzag. I don't walk in a straight line. I'm, I'm all you over like the place. It seems interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, man, you should be proud of yourself because I think that's, that's a message that especially the younger generation should know. Like it's, it's okay to not be like 
how you were raised. Right? It's okay to be a little bit different. Yeah, it's okay totally. To be irregular. Not. Yeah. Totally. And I think that's like, I spent my teenage years and my early 20s the same as everyone. You know, you're trying to find yourself and all you want to do, especially when you're in high school, is you want to do the same as everyone else. Yeah. And, and yeah, I definitely did the same thing. And I think that's like the main reason I sort of, I made the mistakes I made in my early 20s is I was just sort of, I wasn't listening to, to what I wanted to do. I was just doing what everyone else wanted to do. And like having that six months of complete sobriety was what sort of woke me up to that. And I was sort of, I started doing all the activities that I would normally do when I was drunk or on drugs. And I was like, I don't actually enjoy doing this sober. So maybe sort yeah. of question like, why was I doing this? Was it just because everyone else wanted to do it or was it because I just enjoyed getting messed up? Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, so you got to it's easy to get caught up in that grind of what everyone else is doing you really um you really need to listen to yourself and um and do what you love what are you what would you say you're most proud of so far till date um what i'm most proud of i mean obviously building this company is my my proudest sort of project so far it's um it's sort of it's something i'm very proud of last year we had that um that brand launch party and um, we decided to to throw this huge party a week before Christmas, um, and we only had three weeks to organise it. And everybody everybody told us it was impossible. It was a bad idea. We shouldn't do it. And um, we we didn't listen to them. We thought we're going to do it anyway. We're going to throw the best party, and we did. We had three weeks of working like twenty hour days. We were sort of lucky to get four hours sleep a night for. You you're obviously a very positive person, and that that has changed, right? Um, how do you stay so positive? I mean, what's your daily routine? Daily routine is a very important one, and um, and positivity's uh, something that sort of changed in my mind a lot over the years. I think I think I've always been naturally quite a positive person, but yeah. um, but everybody's sort of got this desire to be positive all the time, and it's such a, a thing that's drummed into us these days as well. Is you've got to remain positive and keep a positive mindset, but um, in reality. No one can be positive twenty four seven, right? Like life is a series of of ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, to me, how I remain happy in life is by accepting that there's always going to be highs and there's always going to be lows. So when I'm feeling extremely positive and and you know happy, um, I know that you know that's not going to last forever. It's going to end sooner or later. And when I'm feeling really low, I know that's not going to last forever either. It's sort of it's going to end, and things are going to go well again. So, I think um, the the key to remaining positive and remaining happy is to to accept that you know life life's full of ups and downs, and and everything's like nothing's permanent. Everything's temporary, and um and just riding the wave. You know, not getting not getting too attached to emotions and especially negative emotions so um so yeah i think the key to positivity is just acceptance yeah um and and, and my, you bring up a good point you um in terms of positivity i think that life is full of ups and downs right but if you have that sort of positive mindset the the downs don't feel so down if that makes sense yeah, exactly, and that's what I was sort of trying to get at. As far as everything's temporary, right? Like at, at the end of every low, there's another high. Yeah, exactly. And and one of my mentors always say, he never calls anything a negative. He just calls it a challenge, and then it becomes fun because you gotta you gotta beat that challenge, right? So I look at exactly. it the same way. I'm like, 
if you know if, if you speak to Ollie, Ollie Ollie makes fun of me and he says I'm positive like all the time. I'm I'm almost too positive, yeah. right? But the the way it is is if something if something shitty happens, I kind of just accept it for what it is and, and try to beat it. Yeah. Instead of instead it. of being down about it for days, I'm just all right. You know what? Let's let's take care of it now. Right? Exactly, and that's the best way to do it, right? Is to just to just jump in and take care of it right away. Don't get too caught up in the emotion of it. Just do what needs to be done. Yeah. Do you have any sort of mentors that you look up to? I do. Yeah, I've got um, I've got. Uh, a few different mentors across a few different areas of my life, and um, I think mentor-wise, like we um, we've got access to all this information on the internet, and especially YouTube now, right? You can watch YouTube videos, like you know, Tony Robbins could be your mentor, or, or Gary Vee, or whoever it is. You can watch their YouTube videos every day, and it's sort of it's like having a mentor, right? We call that YouTube so, University, um, my friend. Yeah, exactly. I'm very much a student of the YouTube University. But, um, Me too, man. Yeah, but uh, but otherwise, I've got um, a lot of people I look up to across you know different facets as well in the, the business world and you know photography wise and and the art world as well. So I think um, mentors are extremely important. You need to have people to to look up to and, and to pull you forward and. And man, listen, just one more question for you. What's your what's your message for the younger generation out there? When you're young, you've got a lot of time and you don't realize how much time you have. So don't be in a rush to jump into something. Take your time, work out what it is that you really love in this life and what you want to do mm-hmm. and just enjoy it. Have a good time. Don't rush into something just because you feel like you need a paycheck straight away. Like take your time, go easy. Just work it all out. Listen, Dylan, I just want to thank you so much, man. I think you've, you've got a great story. I don't think we even hit half the questions I had for you, but uh, we definitely got to do this again. Yeah, that's, that's all right, man. <laughs> I love what you're doing with Billy Sixes, man. Your authenticity shows throughout everything that you're doing, and uh, just want to thank you for being on the show. Yeah, no, thank you for having me, man. It's, a, it's an honor. Awesome, man. I'll see you soon, brother. Thank you. Sounds, sounds good, mate. Catch Cheers. Out. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you missed anything, do not worry. Log on to shivrad.com. That's S-H-I-V-R-A-D.com to listen to this podcast again. Check out the other episodes and, of course, check out the blog. Thanks, everyone. Until next time.